Welcome to the Pro Photographer Journey Podcast, your resource for building the photography business of your dreams. This is Shamira Young, bringing you tips, business strategies, and interviews with award-winning photographers. We're all in this together. Let's get to the good stuff. Hey everybody, I'm here with Aaron Nace, founder of Flurn, which is a platform that brings creative education to anyone in the world. Flurn has a giant mission to make the world of creative education better and more accessible. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So great to be here. You know, it's great to have you. And I, I kind of mentioned this in the pre-interview chat, but I have seen a video or two or five of yours <laughs> via YouTube over the years. And so it is just such a kick to have you here on the show. I'm kind of pinching myself right now. <laughs> yeah, it's so, so interesting, you know, like, I feel like we're in such a cool place where I, you know, sit in a little room talking to a camera and then like all of a sudden it's like, cool, I've got like friends and people who know me all <laughs> around the world and it's like, it's like, wow, okay, this is cool. Like, uh, I guess it's working. Like, <laughs> right, and you, you hit publish. You probably get this all the time, but I feel like I kind of know you or at least the sound of your voice. As soon as you picked up the Skype call, I'm like, ah, yep, that's the voice right there. Yeah, it's so funny. I've heard from like, uh, like partners of people, you know, like I've, I've actually bumped into people like on the street and someone was like, oh my God, you're in a nice la la la. And then, <laughs> you know, the person's partner is like, who's this? Why are we stopping? Like, why do I care? Like, what's going on? And then they hear me talk and I'm like, that's the guy who's in the other room when you're on your computer. And I'm like telling you it's time for dinner. I know that voice. Like, that's that guy. That is so great. Right. Oh, right. Man. Oh, my goodness. And I'm so looking forward to our conversation because you're interesting because you have robust experience in education as far as providing creative education but you've also had your own photography business and you have a very strong image editing background so this is going to be a good one for sure it's going to be fantastic yeah i've kind of just like bopped around a little bit based on what was interesting at the time and and based on kind of like what the market was around me you know it's like creatives and especially uh you know small business owners you kind of got to just do whatever you can to to make it work and i feel like that's kind of been <laughs> my journey along the way oh my goodness yes hence this podcast <laughs> <laughs> totally right <laughs> well let's let's talk about you so aaron can you give us an overview of yourself your background and how you ended up doing what you're doing today for sure so I, you know, I actually had a pretty late game into the photography world. I was a designer by trade. So I went to school for design, uh, got out of school, you know, got a job as a designer and really didn't pay photography like so much attention. Uh, I was more on like the drawing and rendering and like painting side of things. So I've always been a very visual person, but photography really didn't capture my interest until I took uh, like a kind of extended trip to South America. And this was maybe 15 years ago. I spent maybe six or eight months in South America, just kind of bopping around doing like the, you know, quote unquote, find myself uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> mission and had a little point and shoot with me along the way and just, you know, kind of made it my mission to, to capture this trip. Cause so I'm like, when am I going to do this again? And, uh, I kind of fell in love with photography, like unexpected, just 
like, whoa, this is so much fun. Just capturing images and, you know, also just as a way to kind of like look back and be like, man, this is where, where I was in my life, just a time machine. So that kind of started my love of, you know, photography as a whole and working with the camera. And from there, it went on to like portraiture and then kind of combining the stuff that I used from my design days into my work. Uh, that's where the whole Photoshop side of things came in. And those two ideas were like, okay, I've got a little bit of a base of Photoshop. And again, I was using it just for like illustration and rendering and design work at the time. But mm -hmm. when I saw my, you know, photography kind of pick up, I was like, man, I can combine these two things and really start to make something cool here. So the kind of like big change came around. I started a self-portrait project uh, back in 2008. I decided to take a self-portrait every single day for a year and posted on Flickr.com, which was so much fun and just such a fantastic community at the time. I was posting a lot of images, you know, practicing at least four or five hours of photography every single day, along with a couple hours of editing. And I, I just learned so much during that period of time. And along the way, I got requests like, hey, that's a cool image. How did you do that image? And I was like, sure, I'll tell you how to do it. And then eventually that changed from conversations to like a screen share because that just made a little bit more sense. And then from a screen share, it kind of turned into recorded videos. And then I was like, cool, I just want to like show everyone this stuff. Like everyone should know how to do this stuff. That took me to YouTube and then basically brought us to where we are today. Interesting, interesting. And so you were essentially, and I want to make sure and highlight this, you were practicing photography every single day for that year. Oh, yeah, like a lot. I mean, so my mission was not just to take a self-portrait, but to make like each individual photo interesting and like kind of like a, a concept, you know, it wasn't, mm -hmm. these are not just like stand in front of the camera and smile. I did, you know, a, a portrait of mine, actually, <laughs> maybe you can put it in the show notes or whatever, but um, where mm -hmm. I found a stock image of like a gorilla holding just like a stick. I think the photo was taken at a zoo. And I cut the gorilla out of the background. I replaced the stick with like a Subway sandwich and then put the gorilla on my couch. And then I was like eating a Subway sandwich too. So in the final photo, like it's me and a gorilla sitting side by side, looking at each other, both enjoying like Subway sandwiches. Uh, it's just like- <laughs> If you send that to me, I will absolutely put that in the show notes. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I'll send it to you. So, you know, little stuff like that where I'm like, man, can I just, can I do this and can I make it look real? You know, like that was, that was the main challenge and I had so much fun doing it and it, it, it really did like build a foundation to where we are today. You know, that's very cool. And it's also really neat that at the same time, you're also honing your editing skills. Yeah, no, it was all, it was all based around like stuff that I wanted to do, you know, like these daily challenges of like, oh, what am I going to, you know, because when you're doing self-portrait every day and I was publishing them every day as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a little community started and, you know, like started getting some comments and that it drove me. I'm like, okay, I, what, what's today's image? I wanted to be just as good or not better than yesterday's image. And I had a full-time job at the time. So, uh, you know, throughout the day thinking of concepts of like, oh, what am I, what am I going to do today? You know, and sometimes just like crazy ideas would come into my mind and I'm like, well, psh, let's try it. You know, let's see what we can do. Yeah, that's really where, you know, I learned so much about Photoshop because it was just like I had all this crazy stuff I wanted to do and kind of just had to figure out how to do it. 
You know, I really want to highlight your work ethic to our listeners because there is no getting around that. And I know today as more and more impressive cameras are created and, you know, impressive glass, wonderful lenses and just as cool as equipment can be, because I think a lot of people get caught up in equipment. You have to know how to use what you have. You have to practice. You can't overly rely on the camera to make an interesting image. You have to have vision for that. I mean, I've talked to photographers where, especially early on when I was just getting started, I had like, I was super insecure. I don't know what you would call it. Equipment insecurity, where I talk to other photographers and they pull out this beautiful camera body. Look at this. And it's like, that's way more expensive than mine. I'm insecure. But what I eventually learned was that (laughs) as many photographers would show me their fancy equipment, like half of them didn't know how to use it. Oh, it's so true. It's, and I've been caught up in that. And so, you know, point number one, you have to know your equipment. Point number two, you have to know editing as well. I mean, I've encountered photographers who would submit work to magazines and not know how to use Photoshop or any of the other more simple editing, image editing um, software. And I've had editors of magazines tell me that they have gotten images from photographers with the photographer requesting, hey, can you edit this for me? Like, how is that even? (laughs) And I've been an editor at a magazine before, and I've shared this on the show before for Motorcycle Magazine. And just so I was able to see the quality of work that people would submit and you get everything across the board, but you could tell when a photographer, when an artist had their imaging down spot on, but it takes practice. There's no getting around it. Yeah, you know, gear is kind of like the easy way out, right? Because all you have to do is buy something. It's so sexy. Yeah. 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 It's like, oh, I'll just buy this and then I'm good. But that's like the same thing as like buying a paintbrush and then like thinking you're a good painter, right? Like there's, you know. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. It's just like for sure. Or like buying a gym membership and all of a sudden you're in shape. It's like, you got to <laughs> go, you know, like you got to do the thing. Exactly. That's what really matters. And, you know, I would say for those out there who like maybe are going through that, like, is my camera good enough? Is my lens good enough? Cause we've all gone through it. I mean, I've gone through mm-hmm. it <laughs> seemingly yeah, time and time again, whenever I'm like, my work's not good enough. Maybe <laughs> if I buy another lens and it's like, that's <laughs> never the answer. It's like, just go out and shoot more and learn, you know, make Mm -hmm. mistakes and and learn. Uh, So, you know, my advice just like on my own personal experience was like, I created some of my favorite, favorite images on a Canon 5D Mark II, which was like at the time pretty Mm -hmm. good. But Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, now you could get that like pretty inexpensive and it's still a great, great camera. So, you know, if you want to look for like a, like a slightly older model camera, like, come on. I, I mean, images in my portfolio, uh, I've got stuff all the way from like a crop sensor, you know, camera 10 years old, all the way to a new medium format, nice, nice camera. And my favorite images and the images that people have responded to the most have not come from the newest, fanciest, best cameras. It's usually just from the camera that I was using day in and day out when I was kind of in my zone. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but your portrait clients that you've had, have any of them ever asked you what kind of camera you're using? No, you know what? In fact, in the early days, I would actually, when I was trying to book clients, because like, you know, what do you do to book a client, right? It's like, right, <laughs> it's right. like Ever the, question. the question in the beginning. <laughs> I would just talk about my camera. Like, 
oh my gosh, I've got this camera and I've got this lens and it's like this many megapixels and that and their eyes would just glaze over <laughs> and I've lost them, you know, but at the time right. I didn't know any better. So yeah. I'm like, you know, okay, cool. This is how I get, get the clients. And now it's like, no, if you want to get a, just like talk to them as a person, ask them questions, find out what they need and then do your best to fill that need like that's the way to do it like don't talk about you know exactly. like if i could just like pop into my life you know 10 years ago and be like hey you're doing this wrong dude uh it would have been helpful <laughs> but you know that's we learn right that's how we learn we do we do and i've never i would say 99 percent of the time i won't say never but 99 percent of the time my clients don't care and I've done family portraits, but I've also done a little bit of weddings and then also dealing with businesses. And the only time that 1% anyone has ever asked me, it's because they were a photo enthusiast themselves and they were asking so that they could further their own knowledge so they could be a better, you know, flower photographer or something. But it was never in relation to, I'm only going to book you if you're using top of the line expensive gear yeah no no way i mean and most people have no clue you know like they're just (laughs) in my experience people see like a big camera and they assume you're professional whether you know how to use it or not you know (laughs) it's like it's like you could take like a regular camera and like you know spray paint a brick black and glue it to the camera (laughs) and they'd be like wow that's a good camera." you know like it doesn't really matter oh it's so true it's so true Okay, so let's shift the conversation over a bit to trends as far as what photographers are struggling with regarding their photo editing skills. Because one of the cool things about Flurn is that you especially have, I'm sure, your finger on the pulse, kind of what people, have, what they struggle with. And just... 100%. Yeah. So can you tell us about any trends that, that you've noticed over the last 10 years as far as photo editing goes? Yeah, for sure. Well, across the board, people are just getting better. You know, mm. in in the early days of online education, there just wasn't that much out there. So the the things that people were struggling with were like, you know, relatively basic level, uh, you know, like, how do I do simple color corrections? How do I crop my images? How do I, mm. you know, like take this little thing out of the background? Uh, nowadays, <laughs> I'm like, blown away because I'll go to a photo conference and I'll ask about like some advanced technique and like half the people will raise their hand like they already know how to do it I'm like you guys know how to do this like that's insane like it's like pro level stuff so Mm -hmm. you know image editing as a whole the art form has really you know become quite elevated over the last few years and I think YouTube has a big part of that because you can you can learn just about anything you you want on there now I would say, you know, high quality retouching uh, and the kind of like buzzword term here is frequency separation retouching, which is Mm. one of my favorite techniques uh, on on retouching. And for those Mm. of you listening who are like, what's retouching? Or like, I think I know what it is, but like not quite sure. Retouching is basically like it's a process. It's not like one thing that you do. It's like getting rid of all the things that maybe you don't want in the photo and then like working with your shadows and highlights to like even those out and then maybe making some objects stand out with like dodging and burning and then doing color correction and you know evening out skin tones colors things like that and then drawing a like a viewer's focus to a certain area of the photo so retouching is kind of like it's an art form and it's a bunch of little steps that combine to create the final output and people are getting so good at these little steps i think it's like 
they really want to know like, okay, how do I take all these little steps and all these little things that I know, how do I combine them all to just take this photo from like a five to a 10? You know, how do I make my photo better as a whole? Uh, that's really where I think we're at. You know, that's really, really cool because I can remember back to my early days when I would see a cool image online and I mean, it would be retouched in such a way where it just looked, I don't know if it was a portrait and they did a lot of retouching, like it had this slick magazine quality look to it. And in when you're just starting off, like I was years ago, it's kind of hard to put your finger on exactly what it is you like about a photo sometimes. If you don't yet have the retouching language to even express, you know, what is going on in that image. And so all that to say, it is very cool that you were helping students bridge that gap between it, what they see and like and being able to actually create that. You know, it really is amazing. Uh, there's, I look at Photoshop and retouching as a tool, just like, you know, a camera is a tool, lighting equipment can be a tool. And it really has such a, a, a well-defined look like, you know, my background is in photography and I'm like a total tech nerd, right? Like I'm a Photoshop instructor for a, a living. Like obviously like I'm a techie person. So like when I found about like flashes and softbox, I'm like, okay, got to do all that. You know, when I found out cameras and all, it's like you get into all these things, but when you take an image into the retouching stage, you can do things that simply cannot be done in camera because it's, it's the fine tuning and it's those little adjustments that really take an image and it changes into a slightly different art form. It's, it's mm. kind of like the balance between photography and painting, like a, a well retouched image, like a well edited image is halfway between a photograph and a painting. And that is something where I think oh, like I that's like where that. Photoshop really shines. That I've never heard anyone put it that way. But that is so true. You, you don't have to do that. Like you can just like remove some guy in the background picking his nose and then that, you know, <laughs> it's like it's useful for that too. But where I geek out and where I'm like, this is an art form is like, yeah, I can take this entire photograph and just like and change it so it's not exactly a photograph anymore. It's not exactly, it's something in the middle. Right, right. And I think it's important people understand that. I think even just ethically and mor morally, and I don't want to get into that whole <laughs> thing, but there can be a line at times with how heavily retouched or photoshopped an image can be. And even working at the magazine, we'd fly in models from all over the world and do our own in-house photo shoots. But no matter how beautiful that female was, we always had to retouch it after the fact. And I mean, these women come in and they look perfect. But to your point of it being a well-retouched image being, you know, between, I guess, a photo and a painting, it sure did feel like that. You know, as we're smoothing over the skin or moving hairs and, you know, it just, you're absolutely right. And I think it's important that people understand, though, because there are images everywhere. I'll try not to rant, but, you know, billboards, magazines, everywhere that show these super glossy images of people who have been you know, retouched to the max. And I do think it's important that people understand that the photo has been retouched, most likely. I completely agree. Yeah, it's something that, and I, I think people like, nowadays Photoshop is like, 
every you hear the word it's a verb you know right. like hey just photoshop <laughs> this like you know like an average individual on the street has heard of photoshop right uh so i think yes. now more than ever people are realizing that things are retouched where like we get a lot of the danger is like you know if a person is comparing themselves on like an average yeah. day you know to an individual on their best day with professional hair and makeup oh. and lighting and a professional photographer and professionally retouched like no way but if you take the average individual on the street and use professional lighting, makeup, hair, and all that, and professionally retouch them, they're going to look fantastic too. Mm -hmm. So it is easy to compare yourself with these images that we see in these magazines, but I completely agree. It's important to realize that that is a, like a highly, highly produced thing that you're looking at. That is not just the person. Like if you saw that person in real life, like they would look a lot more just like a regular person. Right, right. And don't get me wrong, Photoshop was one of my favorite tools to use to this day. It always has been and it's so very useful. And, and I love it. I just want to make sure people are aware kind of of that distinction. But the flip side, I guess the less severe side is, for example, when I'm, when I'm doing a headshot for women over the age of 40, because we're, we're, you know, we're so hard on ourselves. And I'm not over 40 yet, but I'm starting to get it. But women over the age of 40, you know, Photoshop is a wonderful tool for making them feel good about themselves, you know, just cleaning it up here and there just a little bit. And I tell them, I do some retouching. It comes standard with the service and they just light up. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I make the distinction, you're going to look like yourself. I'm not taking off 50 pounds or whatever crazy request, because that's the first thing they'll say. Can you take off all this weight? Like, ethically, it has to look like you, but it is a wonderful tool for just in this example, you know, making them look like they had a facelift, not a facelift. Uh, what would you call it? Like a face mask thing. Yeah. I like to think about it as like Spot when I'm treatment. Yeah. When I'm working on uh, an individual in Photoshop, I like to think of it like we're going to make them just like look like their best. You know what yeah, I mean? Like exactly. just like look like they're having a, a great day. This is just a great photo of themselves, but it should definitely look like them. Absolutely. So Aaron, I'm curious because with all of the educational resources available to us today, including Flern, it's one thing to know how to use Photoshop, but it's another for a photographer to find their own retouching style, something that separates them from the zillion other photographers out there because we are everywhere around every street corner, it just seems. So what have you seen photographers struggle with when trying to find their own style? And do you have any tips for us? So I went through this same journey myself, right? Like in the beginning, I knew I liked photography. Like this, it was fun. Like I was having a great time. I was looking other, around at other people's images and I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh man, this, this photographer has an image. All of their images look like their images. Like mm. it, it didn't matter what they photographed. I could just tell it was their photographs. And I was like, what, well, what, why don't I have that? What's my style? Like, what am I missing? Like, what do I need to do? So I started just trying all this stuff. Like I would like, okay, maybe I need to be a street photographer. So I, I like went around on the street and started taking pictures of people, uh, which 
made me instantly realize that was not for me right because i was like (laughs) i was like i'm not doing this in the right way because a bunch of people are uncomfortable and that's making me uncomfortable about like my life and i'm like no 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 like this is not what i want to do uh you know and then i was like maybe i shoot landscapes so i was like i'm gonna shoot some landscapes maybe that's my style and then i was like i this is not you know and eventually it was just like my interests drove my personal style. And what I didn't realize in the beginning was that uh, an individual style is just a reflection on the way they see the world. And when you first start out with a craft or a hobby, you don't know the craft and you haven't practiced it enough for yourself to shine through that craft because you're still kind of learning how to do it. But after time and after practice, you can't help but have a style because the style's already in you. It's already there. All you have to do is just continue to work, continue to do the thing that you love to do. And you as an individual will shine through your work. It's a part of you. You can't avoid a style, but it's not going to be apparent in the beginning because you're still kind of working through the craft itself. But after you get to the point where like, you know how to take images, you feel comfortable and you're out there shooting, you know, I would say, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours like it it takes time it it takes picking up a camera and using it on a daily basis uh and after time what you're going to find is you're going to look back at your body of work and be like oh i do have a style that that's it that's my style like it it doesn't happen through trying to make a style it doesn't happen through like you know coming up with a style it just happens from like working a lot and doing a lot of i say work but i don't mean in like a you know just like it comes from taking a lot of images and then Mm -hmm. that's how it happened with me anyway i mean journey is different for everyone but i was that dude who like what's my style and then five years down the line people are asking me like oh your style is so cool and i'm like yeah but i don't even like i didn't (laughs) do it like nothing like nothing changed i didn't like no, I got a style, right? It just happened through the natural progression of me taking a lot of images. My personality became evident in my work. And I think that's what ultimately becomes an individual's style. So I don't know about you. And I'm curious to hear if this is true for you. But I found for me, my style tends to change and evolve over time. Have you found that for you as well? Oh, a hundred percent. When I was going through, like I was in, you know, relationship with my, you know, uh, a partner at the time, we were kind of like going through rough patches, man, I was making some dark, dark (laughs) stuff, man, for real. Like taking pictures of people. Like, I don't even, I don't know if I should like say it over the podcast, but like I was making people like, you know, putting fake blood all over them. Like, (laughs) you know, making them look like their heads were cut off. I was doing some <laughs> some dark stuff. And it was a reflection of me. It was a reflection of what I was going on, you know, at, at that time in my life. And then, you know, a year later, I'm in like this like bright, happy phase where everything is like overly lit. And like everyone's got, like, <laughs> you know, I'm using like pinks and bright greens everywhere, you know. And then I'm like, wow. ah, screw it. I'm done with Photoshop. I just want to go natural. And then I'm like, you know, just taking like natural candid shots of people and things like that. So yeah, I think your style does change through time. I know mine has, and it tends to change with like other things that I'm interested in my life because like photography is a great, it's kind of like a, uh, 
like a paper towel, right? Like it can kind of absorb any other thing that you're interested in life. Like you're into food, cool, take pictures of food. You want to hang out with your friends, cool, take pictures of your friends. Like you're into architecture, cool, take pictures of architecture. Like it really plays a, like really well hand in hand with just about any other interest and just about any mood. So uh, it's one of the things that's kept me like so passionate about photography and creating images over the years is that as I've changed, the things that I photograph change as well. And when I realized that like, I'm not interested in so-and-so anymore, I don't have to photograph that anymore. I can photograph mm -hmm. what I'm interested in now. That's totally cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's always fun to kind of look, to look back at our own work over the years, even though the early stuff <laughs> can be kind of rough. I know in my case, very rough where you look at it and you're like, I can't believe people paid for this, but we do evolve and we change and we grow. And I, I've seen a lot of photographers kind of have angst over feeling like they should change their style after being with a certain, you know, sticking with a certain style of retouching for a while. And then they feel they want to change, but they've got this body of work that looks different. And you know, also talking about myself as well, I've been through that. So, you know, it's fine and okay to evolve and change. It's all part of the natural timeline. I would even say it's better to change. Like, look at artists who've made it over the years, you know, like Madonna is like celebrated for <laughs> how she's been able to change and adapt with the times because everything around us is changing. And if you don't change with it, like you're going to get stale, you know, like it's, that's true. That's very true. People might want you now, but like if the general like trends move in a different direction, and I'm not saying follow trends, that's never a good idea. But just like if, you know, images that were like retouched in the 90s, like you look at them now and like they don't people don't do it that way anymore and if no. you're still retouching your images like in that way like you're not going to get hired for that like it changes an essential part of uh you know being a creative like everyone wants to see something new and fresh and honestly it keeps things interesting for you as well so you know like yeah sure if you've got paying clients that are like you know, paying you to do something like, yeah, continue to take those jobs. But like with your personal work, for sure, like explore new things, change it up, like do something new. That's, you know, I think that's an essential part of growth and longevity in the industry. For sure. For sure. How cool. So I do like to touch on mistakes that <laughs> people make. And I never, I, I don't want to sound overly critical but I think we can learn from each other's mistakes. And I have shared plenty of my mistakes on this show, by the way. I make no, I, I have no pretenses as far as, I mean, I've, I'm up front. I've made every mistake in the book, so I'll preface it with that. But Aaron, I'm curious, have you noticed any common mistakes that I guess that you see other photographers make or that you yourself have made? And I'll let you choose between either a business mistake or a retouching mistake. Yeah, for sure. I'll just, you know, chat about my own mistakes because like, sure. you know, I've made a bunch of, them. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> I've made a lot of mistakes. I would say like in the early days, one of the biggest mistakes that I made was around running a business. So, you know, going from like, uh, my beginning, I worked at a corporate job. Like I was, I was just one of many employees in a cubicle. Like I had a, like a job job where I was just told what to do. Right. Uh, I moved from there to be like, okay, I'm going to be on my own. I'm just going to see if I can pay my bills. Like, let's see if I can get some paying clients and generate just enough money for me to make my own 
ends meet. Like I wasn't trying to build a business or whatever, right? So moving from like the place of, you know, being kind of like a cog in the machine to like now I have my own business, then to the point where I had some people working with me, right? Like people I was paying uh, to work with. And that was a huge transition for me, right? Like hmm. learning to be like, okay, now I'm like the quote unquote boss, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, what does this look like? And in the beginning, I had a mentality of like, these people are working for me. Like I'm the boss, they're working for me. They're going to do what I say they're going to do. Like, you know, like this is, this is my ship. I'm the captain and like you're, you know, you're working for me and like do what I say kind of deal. Hmm. And that's a mistake. Like, that, <laughs> like uh, that, for me, that was a very big mistake. And I'm, you know, I'm not like, I wasn't, I hope I wasn't like overly like mean to people, but that was just like kind of the way that I thought about business in general. And what I realize now is like, my my job is like a leader, like, you know, boss, manager, whatever you want to say it, like, we don't need to use labels, but like, my job is like, I want to make sure that I'm here to boost up everyone that I work with. Like, I want them to do the best they can possibly do, uh, you know, while they're here working in this environment. So like, the mentality of like, I'm the boss has changed into like, I'm, I'm like the support for everyone else who works here. Like mm. definitely at the end of the day, like, you know, if, if a decision needs to be made and I make a decision, like we'll go with it. But you know, it, it's a lot more of a conversation and it's a lot more of a, like an open table. Like we kind of have titles for external. Like if we get interviewed, you know, like whatever, like for a website or whatever, they're like, what's your title, your company. But like internally, we don't have titles. Like we don't have like offices, like everyone just sits around in desks and we just like talk to each other all day long. And it's a lot more of a collaboration. Like I don't have all the answers. Like it's, it's silly to think that I would. And honestly, getting other people to like, you know, be a little bit more powerful in their own roles takes a lot of the responsibility and a lot of the stress off of uh, an owner as well, because it's like, okay, I don't need to, I don't need to think of the answer for every single question. I just work with people that I trust and I care about them and I do my best to like nurture them and give them what they need to succeed. And then like, they can make the decision. Cool. Like good. Uh, and then I can <laughs> do something else. You know, it's a uh, kind of a big learning lesson there was just like how a, how I would like a company to work, like how I would like the internal dynamics of a company to work. And, you know, everyone's got their own style of, uh, you know, like running a business. And I, I would say it's, you know, directly related to your personality. You know, I want everyone here to be super comfortable and just have a good time. Uh, I'm not like a numbers, numbers, numbers person. I'm just like, you know, hey, can we all get together? Can we, can we have like a healthy company? And can we all enjoy our lives at the same time? That's my personal style of like how I'm, you know, how I'm doing this thing. But yeah, just a, a, a big shift. So big mistake in the beginning was thinking that like I had all the answers and the way that I learned from that was like, nope, I don't have all the answers. This is a very, <laughs> this is a very different thing than I thought it was. You know, you use the word collaboration and 
You're absolutely right. It is, it is a collaboration. And I mean, this applies to anyone listening who maybe someone's listening and thinking, well, I'm not looking to hire employees. Well, if you're looking to hire a second shooter or an assistant or makeup artist to join your team, it's all a collaboration. And, you know, I've heard it said that we cannot be an island onto ourselves. And it is absolutely true because whether you're a photographer who has a team assembled or you're thinking about having a team assembled, or even if you are just a single, you know, one photographer running your business, you still have to collaborate with other people in your community. I mean, for marketing purposes, getting out and meeting people, you can't do anything by yourself. And so, Erin, I really like that attitude that you have of it's not about just, you know, being the boss with a capital B. <laughs> which you know I I can only I've worked under bosses like that before and it's it's not fun and for the people on the team at least in my experience you don't feel like you have as much invested if you don't feel I guess valued in a way you know like when it's a collaboration that's where the whole team aspect comes into play because everyone brings something to the table and they're respected and valued so that's very cool it's also just easier <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> true right more natural yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Have to force it and i would say for anyone also who's kind of like with that too like okay if you do have a vision like if you have a certain vision for something you want to do and it's like i don't know if i want other people's ideas or visions getting in the way of my vision you know because I, I know that can be a thought as well um you know my suggestion there because another thing i had to get over was like i don't have to control every aspect of everything like other mm -hmm. you know like this is a collaboration means a collaboration. And my big suggestion in there is just like find people who like you trust, you like really trust them and respect them. And then like that collaboration will just happen naturally. Mm. You know, like if someone comes up with an idea and it's like, oh, you know what, that that is a good idea. Like, let's let's go with that. Um, but if you're working with people who you don't necessarily like see eye to eye with, then collaborations can be can be kind of tough. So um, if you are working with anyone who you don't see eye to eye with, that might be a time to reevaluate your work relationship. For sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> well said. Uh, well, we're coming up on towards the end of this interview, which that always makes me sad because I could nerd out on this for hours. And this question is related, I guess, to the one we just talked about. But still, I'm curious what your answer will be. What's one thing you wish you knew before you stepped into photography professionally? So in the beginning, like, I knew I loved photography as an art. Like, that was not a problem. Like, I knew I loved taking pictures and editing them. But I really did struggle a lot with, like, getting clients and finding clients and, and the idea of working with clients. And kind of what I realized through time is just, like, clients are just, like, people, you know? And like working with a person is just like building a relationship and like finding if something works for you. And whenever I've come to a situation with like, I'm going to try to convince this person that they should hire me or like, I'm going to try to like sell myself. It's almost never worked out. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, through time I've realized like if someone needs a service and I can provide that service, then that's that's all it is like that's that's the whole idea with with getting something done so um whenever i work with people these days uh my my first step is just ask them as many questions as possible right like that mm -hmm. way i know what they need and i know maybe they don't need what i have to offer so you know like 
hey, what what are you looking for out of this, you know, events? Like, you know, what type of photographs do you need? Like what, you know, just get to know the individual as, as a person. Like, do you want like candid shots? Do you want this kind of images? Like, what's your price point? Like, what do you, you know, just ask as many questions as you can related to the, you know, the job that could be on the table. And then, you know, figure out if you're the right person for that job. Because, you know, sometimes it might be like, cool. Uh, it sounds like you've got a great project. I'm actually probably not the right person for this job for one reason or another, but Hey, let me just suggest another person who I think would be right for this. So mm. I try to see it less as like, you know, I'm trying to sell something and a little bit more is like, let's find out what you need. And then like, if I can give you what you need, fantastic, let's do this. If I can't give you what you need, uh, let's find someone else who can give you that. It's just, takes a lot of the pressure off the table for me and honestly just fuels a lot more authentic and uh in the end it's just allowed my working relationships to be you know just kind of like based on a situation of like mutual uh like trust and respect like we're on the same page here like if i can give you what you need and we can agree on a price that's fair for both of us cool if not no big deal let's move on let's do something else like that's kind of the big uh yeah, the big thing that I wish I learned when I started off was I wish I learned how to approach people better for jobs with a little bit less anxiety about it, I guess. You know, <laughs> like... Very cool. So cool. Well, I, I do want to make sure and ask, is there a particular photography resource, tool, online course book, whatever that you'd recommend to our listeners to help them with their businesses? You know, I would say... YouTube as a whole is just like a fantastic place to to learn. You know, mm -hmm. that's like if you want to learn, you know, photography, retouching, like the craft itself, that's a fantastic place to learn. Uh, business wise, you know, everyone's going to build a business slightly differently, and that's going to be based on every individual and every individual's personality. And I would say, you know, the biggest tool you have to build your photography business is yourself and your ability to connect with other people. So uh, if you're if you're like me, when I started out, I would classify myself as like like a legit introvert. Uh, no. Now I'm like <laughs> I'm like quasi, you know, let's take a step back. It's hard I to did, believe. <laughs> I'm an introvert, but I I like and feel comfortable with people, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. like. I'm, I'm the type of person who like, I like to go to a social event and then I want my alone time afterwards, right? Like I, I think about it like extrovert versus introvert is like, if you're an extrovert, being around people like charges you up. That like charges your batteries. You feel like energized after being around people for a while. Like an introvert, they'll be around people for a while and they, they feel like a little bit, in my case, I'll feel like a little bit like I need a reset. I need to recharge my energy by being alone. So that's how I consider myself an, an introvert. Um, but getting back to, you know, like your greatest asset as an individual, like is, is your personality in yourself and your ability to connect with other people. So even if you consider yourself an introvert, like, like I do consider myself an introvert. I, I know it might not sound like it because I, like that doesn't mean that I don't like people or I don't, you know, or I feel like awkward around people. It just means that like, I really like being alone. You know what I mean? Like, no, like I totally, I totally get you. Cool. 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 Um, so like practicing that side of things, like practicing 
like just there's conversations and meeting new people and like kind of building that side. And it doesn't have to be through like these like business networky events or things like that. But, you know, just like joining social clubs and like practicing those social skills, because social skills are like anything else. They can be improved with practice. Like the more time I spend, you know, like doing my own thing with my head down and, you know, like not talking with a, a bunch of new people. And new people is kind of the key too, because you can just talk to the same old friends all the time that's, you know, in your comfort bubble, but like meeting new people, that's the challenging part. So if you are an introvert and you're looking to build a business as a photographer, I would say, you know, finding opportunities to meet new people and challenging yourself with those, uh, with those opportunities, uh, that can really take you a lot farther because the next time you meet a new person who could be a potential client, you're just going to be a little bit more comfortable with that new person. And you're going to be able to help build that relationship a little bit faster. You know, that's fantastic advice. I mean, from one introvert to another, I get you, <laughs> especially <laughs> as far as that needing to get home and recharge my batteries, you know, and I've had people ask, well, why did you start a podcast if, if you're an introvert? It's like, well, I love talking to new people. You know, it's it's cool. But I, I'm the same as you. I do need to recharge my batteries. But I think that's fantastic advice, whether someone listening is an introvert or an extrovert, because whichever one you are, we still need to practice our social skills. I mean, even as far as listening, being able to listen, that is a skill not many people have, whether they're an introvert or an extrovert. And especially when you're trying to get new clients and run a business, you need to have sharp ears to understand what they're looking for and what they need from you. And sometimes clients aren't always able to articulate, you know, a vision they may have for a photo session that they're requesting, or in your case, Aaron, you know, maybe they need images edited, retouched a certain way, and they're not sure how. And that's where listening comes into play for sure. So I think that's excellent, excellent advice. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been an absolute blast, Shamira. Cool. And, uh, you know, one of my final questions, but the most important, tell our listeners where they can find you online. Yeah, so the easiest place to find me is on flern.com. That's P-H, like photography, learn, P-H-L-E-A-R-N.com. If you're interested in improving your skills, we've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tutorials, and it's kind of like a Netflix for creatives platform. <laughs> so we have like a subscription thing. You just, you know, pay your monthly or annual thing, and you get to watch all the tutorials, everything there on the website is there for you. So super, super easy to sign up. And <laughs> I'm in a lot of the videos. So if you want to connect with me, <laughs> it's a really great place to do it. Cool. And from my understanding, there are also free videos on Flurn as well. Oh, yeah, we have hundreds and hundreds of free videos. So if you go to flurn.com, we have like a catalog section with everything is just categorized super, super easily. So you can just click on free tutorials, most popular free tutorials. Uh, there's hundreds and hundreds of there. You can download the sample images so you can follow along with the free tutorials. Yeah, most definitely. So big thing from the beginning is like, we're all creatives. We're all in this together. Like, you know, even whether you were raised with, you know, unlimited resources or, you know, like most people, not so much. We wanted to make sure that this education was accessible to everyone. So we have hundreds and hundreds of free tutorials. And if you want to take that next step and you want to kind of like bring your work to the professional level, then we also have uh, a paid subscription service as well. Totally worth the investment. And by the way, it's not 
expensive at all just looking at your website yeah it's 100 so, bucks a year and we have a, a a coupon code for you too oh sweet that's right right yes we will make sure and include that in the show notes but for those listening right now so the code is journey 20 if you go to flearn.com and then i believe hit join I'm, you guys have links all over the place i'm sure um, to join the community, use the code journey 20. So journey J O U R N E Y two zero, and you'll get a 20% discount on the pro tutorials, which is really awesome. Aaron, I really appreciate you offering that code to our listeners. Yeah. Well, it's super cool to be hanging out with you, Shamira. And yeah, like thanks to everyone for listening. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to make sure and thank you one more time for just chilling and chatting with us, Aaron. Very cool. Yeah, it's been an absolute blast. Thank you so much. If you're enjoying this podcast, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening. The more reviews we get, the easier it is for people to find this podcast and search rankings. We want to reach as many people as possible and help improve our photo industry. I appreciate you all. Thanks for listening.